All right. If you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline or use the Central Church app. Um, Exodus 32 is where we're going and we will get there eventually. Um, it's going to take me a minute to, it's going to take me several, several minutes to get there um, today. I, I need time today um, for this message to set this whole thing up. Um, we are in either week number two or week number three of a series called um, Misinformed. Um, I say week number two or week number three because it depends on which staff member you talk to on what week we're in. Last week we had to end the summer bash and it was great. Like, wasn't it great? Like, uh, special thanks to all of our volunteers and our staff um, that made that thing happen. It was, it was, it was phenomenal. The hog roast was incredible. Did you like the hog roast? Like that, that was really, really, really good. Um, Mary and I, um, we had a ton of fun doing the illusion show, um, but we're still sore as crap. And so, uh, we have bruises all over and it's just bad, but it was, but it was fun, right? And so we started this series, um, three weeks ago and then we had that last week. And so just to continue to like, I, this series was going to go four weeks. Um, now it's just going to be three messages because we want to stay on schedule into October. And so it's just, we're going to call it week number three. And so if you want to call it week number two, call it week number two. I think I'm calling it week number three, whatever. I guess that doesn't really matter, right? But anyway, um, so the series called Misinformed, um, where we're talking about how the world feeds us all of this misinformation, specifically about Christianity and, and what we should believe. But not only the world, but a lot of times in the church we hear things that just really aren't necessarily true. In week number one, I told you that we need to be intentional about putting our focus on Jesus. And I asked you the question, what do you do daily to intentionally put your focus on Jesus? The only way that we're going to know what is true and right and not buy into the misinformation that the world tries to sell us on a daily basis is to focus on the way, the truth, and the life, and that's Jesus Christ. And so what are we doing daily to intentionally put our focus on Jesus. And, and that really, that, that statement really is what's important through this entire series. In order to sort out what is, what is true and what is false, it, it has to be a focus on Jesus. Let, let me set today's message up like this. In our society, um, in America, we, we tend to categorize things into like statuses. You, you know what I'm saying? Like there's social status, there's economic status and, and class status. And, and this week I was, I was thinking about this, um, in terms of the airline industry. Anybody ever flown first class? Anybody? Let's take another offering. Let's start right there. <laughs> I have never paid to fly first class, but I was given an opportunity to sit there one time. Um, I was given an upgrade because of, of ticket points, and it was amazing. I got like the hot towel, and they were bringing me drinks while everybody else was sitting. I mean, it was phenomenal. And, and I said, I will never not fly this way ever until the next time I got ready to fly and I saw the price. And Mary said, you will never fly first class. And so I was like, cool. Um, but hey, you've got classes on airplanes, right? You've got first class, you got business class, and you got you got coach. And the, the coach is so poor, they don't even call it class. It's like, they don't say coach class, right? You don't have it. I, I, I don't know. I think that's the only three. Maybe there's other ones. But, but here's the deal. First class passengers get to f sit first. And then business class gets to sit, and then the 
peasants get to board last. And, and, and you're walking in, and there's no place to put your luggage because everyone else has already taken it. Um, for some reason, first class gets like eight carry-ons. And so you've got your, your one, and the one that you're pretending isn't a carry-on because you stuff everything in your purse or your laptop bag. And, and you're trying to fit things somewhere, and they're telling you, oh, it can only go under the seat. And, and you're, you're trying to figure out, but you're standing in line because nobody can figure out where to put their luggage. And as you're standing in line, you're awkwardly standing by the first class passengers, right? And and you're just standing there and you're trying to look ahead because you don't want to look down and you don't want to be super jealous of everything that they already have. And you don't want them looking up at you saying, why are you looking at me, coach boy? Right? Like you just like, and and so you're just like, I I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I just want to get to my seat. Here's where I'm going with this. We have different classes and there's different things that happen with the airline. Well, one time I got bumped off of a flight. Have, have you ever been bumped off of a flight? Anybody ever been bumped off? That's horrible, isn't it? They called my name over the loudspeaker at the gate, which is scary and excited at the same time. Because it's like, what did I do? <laughs> what, what did I do wrong? Uh, I'm not I'm sure. But also I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to upgrade me again. They're going to call me over and they're going to give me an upgrade. And, and I go over to the counter and they told me that the flight was overbooked and they were going to get me on the next flight. Which by the way, how can they do that? How do they even get away with that? How can you sell more seats than what's on the airplane? Like, you can't do that in any other industry in the world and get away with it. But for some way, the airline... Anyway, that's probably another message for another time. Um, a little, little bitter about that. That's all right. So anyway, they said, we've oversold the flight, but, but we've conveniently put you on the next flight. What do you mean conveniently? Convenient, like convenient for you. It's not convenient for me. I'm going to get home. I want to see my kids. Like we, we got to get out of here. But they literally bumped me and we're going back and forth and we're doing all this stuff. Long story short, it ended up being cool because they gave me a bunch of food vouchers and, and airline points and stuff. And so that was cool. But they also bumped this couple out of first class. And I remember distinctly this guy arguing with the lady at the counter, and he literally said, I have status with your airline. Got my gray poupon here in my pocket. I don't know. And the lady said this. The lady said, yes, you do, but there are people with more status than you. And I thought, yeah, I thought that's what I thought too. Like, ooh, this is going to be crazy. But I thought, who has more status than first class, right? Like, seriously, is it the pilot? Like, I don't, I don't know who who has that. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Like, Ryan, I came here for a Bible story. What the heck does the airline have to do with any of this? What does that have to do with Christianity? Well, it's simple. With Christianity, specifically in the church world, and I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, but we have classes. We have first class, right? We have first class Christians, right? These are the people that, man, they're awesome. (laughs) And if you don't believe it, just ask them. They'll tell you. They'll let you know. You've got business class Christians. They're the Christians that they come in here and they're just all business. I'm going to come in. I'm going to check the box and everything's going to be good. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go out. And and, and I did what I needed to do for God. Then you got your coach Christians. The coach Christians will come in and sit in church on Sunday and cuss on Monday. Heck, let's be honest, this is central. (laughs) They go to church on Sunday and cuss on Sunday too, so it's cool. But then you've got people who have been completely bumped off of the plane. It's kind of like 
we think about Christianity with, with points and, and, and status, kind of like the airline industry. And because of that, we, we've developed some misinformation inside of the church that I want to destroy before we even get into the main message today. Um, three quick points about misinformation in the church. Point number one is this. The church will tell you the better you are, the more God loves you. I'll tell you the better you are, the more you perform, the more God loves you. The, 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 the more good you do, the more activity that you're involved in, the higher status that you'll get with God. Now listen, I, I'm not going to say any of this to discourage anyone from following Jesus. I think it's better to follow Jesus than to not follow Jesus. I truly do believe that everything in life is better with Jesus at the center. But at the end of the day, to think that you're better than someone because you're doing more is absolutely absurd. By the way, let me say this. You know what one of the worst sins in the Bible is? This is where, this is where I get pushed back. <laughs> There's not one worse than the other. They're all the same. No, they're not. They're, they're not. They're, they're, they're really not. One of the worst sins in the Bible is pride. Do you, you know that? It's the one that got, think about it. It's the one that got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride. What, what, what did the Pharisees deal with? Pride. In Jesus' day, who were the first class Christians? The Pharisees. I'm just saying pride is a dangerous trap to fall into. Like, have you ever met a person, they're brand new in their Christian faith, and they're like, oh my gosh, Pastor Ryan, listen, listen, listen. I memorized my first Bible verse. What did you memorize? John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And somebody will cut them off. You memorized John 3.16. You memorized one verse. I memorized the entire book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was and you're like, wait, does that make the person that memorized the book of John better than the person who only memorized one verse in the book of John? Well, if we're looking at it in a status symbol way, yes. But if we're looking at it the way God looks at it, absolutely not. See, the danger is we think God rewards us on a point system. And so if we read our Bible and we pray constantly throughout the day, and we only listen to worship music, and we don't go to R-rated movies, unless they're about Jesus. For some reason, you can go to the R-rated one that's about Jesus. And we accumulate all of these points, not because we love Jesus, but because we want to put God inside of our debt. And then when we have a serious prayer request, we take it to God, and when he doesn't give us exactly what we ask for, our response is, how could you let this happen to me? After all I've done for you. Like, like look at this. I got the gold card, God. I've got all of these points. I've done all of these things. Why don't I have the status that I deserve? And when we do that, we walk away. So the misinformation of the better you are, the more God loves you is not true at all. In fact, who are the people that Jesus hung out with the most while he was here on earth? Not the first class people, right? It's the people who got bumped off the plane. Misinformation point number two. When I mess up, I lose my salvation. When I mess up, I lose my salvation. In airline terms, we could say I, I lose my, I lose my standing. You ever play the game shoots and ladders? You ever play that game? I, I hate kids' games because there's no strategy. 
Unless I win, then that's a brilliant strategy, right? But, but there's, there's really not. I hated playing this game with Chloe and Jaira because you had the ladder and that's great. You hit it, you go up, and then you're going along and you hit the shoot and you're like, shoot, literally, and you shoot back down. This is the way that some people view Christianity. I'm going along good. Everything's going great. But then I did something wrong. I didn't even know it was wrong. And then, I just fell down. And we think when we fall down, when we mess up, we lose our salvation. And by the way, listen, there's not one single person in this room that hasn't messed up. You know what I've discovered about the people that have the megaphone and start yelling at people that have messed up? I saw these idiots outside of the state fair again this year. They're always there outside of the main entrance. They got the megaphone. They're yelling about how you're going to go to hell and how you're a sinner and all this stuff. What I've discovered about people who are yelling at people, listen, the only reason they're yelling so loud is because if they stop, they'll hear God's voice convicting them of their own sin that they have going on in their life that they're living in. Just a thought, probably another message for another time, but if they were just quiet enough to just stop and listen, it's easy to point out somebody else's sin, yes or no. But see, we think and we feel like when I mess up, I'll lose my standing, I'll lose my salvation because people are telling me that, people are screaming that, people are telling me God's disappointed in me, that God doesn't love me, that there's no way that God can accept me, there's no way that I could be a part of the family of God because I screwed up. And so yeah, I was a first class Christian, but then I got bumped to coach because there were some things that I said, there were some things that I did after I was sitting there for a little while, I got completely bumped off the flight because let's be honest, why would God even want me on the plane anyway? Last but not least, misinformation point number three, I've got to work my way back. I've got to work my way back up the ladder. I like the Rocky movies. Anybody else like the Rocky movies? There are like 397 of those things right now. Actually, I don't even know how many there are. doesn't matter how many there are because the best one is Rocky what? Rocky what? Rocky four. And Rocky IV, he single-handedly defeated communism, right? I mean, Rocky IV is the, the absolute best. He goes to Russia, and he trains, and it's absolutely crazy. Like, like, the Russian has all this technology. Remember this? And Rocky is outside, and he's, like, running through the snow, and he's got, like, carrying the logs, and he's chopping wood, and he goes in there. And at the end, they're all, they're all chanting, Rocky, Rocky, and it's, it's, it's crazy. It's awesome. But he, he does everything he can to work his way back. He didn't, he didn't fight. He had to avenge Apollo in this one, but it was, it was, it's amazing. But Rocky three, Rocky three is one that's kind of iconic because something, something happened in Rocky three that went through all the rest of the Rocky movies and still continues in life today. And Rocky three, he had to fight Mr. T, pity the fool, right? He had to fight Mr. T. It was, well, his Clubber Lang, right? That's, that's who he was, not Mr. T, but he'll always be Mr. T to us. He looks weird without his uh, gold chains on and things like that. But that's Mr. T. And, and um, at the beginning of the fight, like Rocky had just beaten Apollo in the past movie and he's all cocky and everything. He doesn't think he has to train. And so he goes in there and he ends up getting his butt kicked by Mr. T. And then Apollo comes along to him. He says, hey, what you gotta have, what you need is the eye of the 
The tiger, right? See, we all know that. And so he gets the eye of the tiger. He starts training. He goes back into the ring. And at the end of the fight, he wins. He worked his way back into a championship. A lot of us view Christianity the same way because we've been taught, you know what? I've done some stuff that was really bad, but, 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 but you know what? God, God, I, I promise I'll never do it again. If you let this happen, God, if, if you allow this to happen in my life, I, I promise I won't do this. If, if you do this, God, I promise I'll do this. How, we make promises. How, don't raise your hand, but how many of us have made promises to God? You promised, right? You promised. God, I'll never do it again. And 24 hours later, you paid to do it again, right? So we promise God we'll never do it. We try to, we try to work our way back. And our motto, because this is what we're taught in the church, do more, try harder. Do more, try harder. Do more, try harder. Do more, do more, do more. Try harder, try harder, try harder. Let, let me ask you this question. How's that working for any one of you? It's pretty exhausting, isn't it? I had, um, I had John make this graph for me this week. Um, it's kind of crazy. It's on the back of your, your outline. This is how we view Christianity, especially the more church that you are. This is like first-class Christians, coach Christians, and, and bumped off the plane, right? And, and this right here, this right here is, is our life, kind of running parallel to the way we view how God loves us. And so we're born right here, right? This little dot right here. This is where we're born. Make no mistake about it. We're all born sinners. That, that is the truth of life. That's called total depravity. Every single one of us is jacked up from, matter of fact, we're jacked up before birth, right? We are jacked up. Jeremiah says we're back, jacked up in the womb. We are already sinning, right? We come out sinners. We come out what? Sinners. And so when someone says, oh, I was born this way, of course you were born that way, right? That's how we're born. We are born into sin. Every single one of us, there is no exception, right? We're, we're born sinners. So we're kind of born right here, all right? And then let's say this. Let's say we start school. We start coming up. We start climbing up the ladder. That's where we're going. And let's be honest, for most of you, most of you, elementary school wasn't that bad, right? It just wasn't. Most of you weren't smoking crayons and sniffing Elmers, all right? Like most of you. I'm not putting myself in the same category as you. And so we're moving along, we're moving along, we're moving along, and we get up here and we get to high school, right? High school's all right, and you know, we're, doing, we're doing well, and, but then all of a sudden we shoot down here. And you say, Ryan, what's that? <laughs> Spring break. <laughs> right? I, am I wrong? And, and so we had that, and then there's this guilt, and there's this shame, or there's these things, or there's this punishment, or there's these consequences that come. And somebody tells us, you gotta start working your way back up. You gotta start moving. And so yeah, so I'm continuing back through, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I finally make it to college. What happened right here? <laughs> Rush to <the> fraternity? <laughs> you gotta change. You gotta be better. You gotta do more. You gotta try harder. Alright. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I met this person right here. And we started doing well. And we started going to church. And we're going to Bible study. And we get married. And everything is great. And everything is awesome. What happened right here? Kids. Kids will make you cuss, right? 
Kids will get you bumped off the plane. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. But, but that's what we think. We're, we're like, okay, I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to work my way up. And, and, and the problem is, is this is legitimately how we view Christianity. And we think when we're up here, we, we think God loves us here, right? When we're up at the top, God loves us. We think down here in the middle, God, God likes us. God, God tolerates me right here. But down at the bottom, God can't stand me. Down here, God hates me down here. And, and, and let's be honest. When we get trapped in our own head, we always put ourselves down at the bottom. So how do we deal with this? How do we get off the religious treadmill, if you will? How do we get out of the cycle and step into the freedom and the mercy and the grace and the love that God wants us to step into? Well, I want to show you this story in the Old Testament about a guy named Aaron. He's Moses's right-hand man. This is where I told you we finally get to Exodus 32, right? Aaron, Aaron did a lot of the miracles that Moses got credit for. And Aaron, like, like if we're looking at this, if we're looking at this at like flight status, Aaron is like diamond, triple, platinum, right? He is like the top of the top, right? Aaron audibly heard the word of God. Now, from time to time, I hear people say, you you, you ever heard this? You ever heard anybody say this? If I could just hear God audibly, I would do what he said. Ever hear that? You ever said that? If, If I could just hear the audible voice of God, I would do exactly what, no, you wouldn't. No, no, you, you wouldn't. Do you know that every single person in the Bible that audibly heard God speak still screwed up? Look at the people who are closest to Jesus. Jesus and God are the same. Yes or no? Yes or no? That needs to be a pretty loud yes. That needs to be the thing that we agree on like the most. If we can't agree on that, probably not your church. Okay, um, just, just saying. Jesus and God are the same. The people closest to Jesus heard the word of God spoken audibly to them every single day. Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. And they still screwed things up. And now we name cathedrals after them. Uh, Aaron. Aaron is the top of the top. Him and Moses led the nation um, of Israel out of Egypt. They're wandering around in the desert. Moses goes up to the top of this mountain to pray with God. He's up there for 40 days. 40 days he's on top of this mountain. And while he's up there, the people lost their dang minds. Like they went crazy. Watch this. This is Exodus 32 verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron Come on, they said, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow. I love this translation of this. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Now, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. This is an easy no, isn't it? Like, like this is an easy no. They, they gathered him together. They said, make us gods who will lead us. This is an easy no, yes or no. Yeah, I mean, God just said in Exodus 20, this is Exodus 32, in Exodus 20, anyone want to guess what God gave in the in Exodus 20? He gave the Ten Commandments, right? That happens in Exodus 20. The first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. The second one is you shall not make an idol, right? And, and, and so the first two commandments, no other gods before me, don't make an idol, And they're like, Aaron, Aaron, 
hey man, break the first two commandments. This is an easy no, isn't it? But here's the problem. We don't know what's going on in Aaron's life. We don't know. Maybe there's some jealousy in his life towards Moses. Like I said, he got, like, he did the the more miracles that Moses got credit for. So maybe, I don't know, maybe something's going on. We don't know. See, we look at somebody else's sin and we say things like, I never would have done that. You might have if you'd been in their shoes. See, it's easy to judge somebody else's character when you have a judge's robe on. But when you put yourself in their shoes, you probably would have done what they did. Maybe even more. You've got to, listen to me, church, you've got to be really, really, really careful in saying what you would never do. Because I bet before this story happened, Aaron would have said, I, I never. I, I, I would never have any other God except the true God. I, I, saw, I seen what he did. He parted the Red Sea. We're wandering out. Man is falling from heaven. Every, everything is great. Everything is, I'll, I'll never. Like, I, I'll never. There's, there's no way. It's impossible. This is an easy no. This would be like me leaving here today and getting in the parking lot and somebody walking up to me. Pastor Ryan, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Ryan, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. I want to give you a bag of crystal meth. This is like the good stuff. This is breaking bad quality, Pastor. This is awesome. Would you like it? I don't have to sit there and go, hold on for a minute. Let me make a list. Pros and cons. Draw a line down the middle. Pros. The next hour and 15 minutes are going to be pretty amazing. Con. Lose my job. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't have to do that. That's an easy no for me. But you know what? It's not an easy no for some people in our church. It's not an easy no for some people in our community. And so while we're looking at Aaron and saying, hey man, this is an easy no... Look what he does. Verse 2. So Aaron said, Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and the sons and daughters and bring them to me. Now, I can't prove this, but I think Aaron wasn't fully committed at this point. I believe he was listening to them. I believe he was hoping for Moses to show back up. And he was just like, well, let's just, let's just kind of see what happens. You, you ever notice that? You ever notice how sin just creeps up on you? but then it holds you in place. It'd be like, let's say that that pulpit represents, hopefully it doesn't represent sin, but let's, let's just say it, it represents sin. I can't, I can't jump from here to there. Like physically, I can't jump from here to there. Like I, I can't make that jump. But the devil doesn't want me to make that jump. He just wants me, hey, see what happens. Go get the earrings from your wives. Go get the earrings from your daughters. And while you're at it, go get the earrings from your son. And before I know it, I'm closer than I ever thought I was ever going to be. And if I'm this close, why not just go ahead and do it? So that's what happened to Aaron. And look at this, verse 3. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. Don't, don't we pick the dumbest idols? Seriously. Like, he could have chose a bull, or a lion, or a shark, like something cool. But a baby cow? Like, c- come on, man. And, 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 and just, just real quick. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. 
before we criticize him for making idols. There are some people in this room that you worship at the idol of a donkey and at the idol of an elephant. And yes, I'm talking about Republicans and Democrats. We'll talk about that in a few more weeks. Like we are legitimately going to talk about that. And by the way, um, for those of you who view a political party as your savior, how's that working out for you? Probably another message for another time. I'll keep going. We, we make stupid idols. Don't we make stupid idols? We always do. I, I'm not saying you. I'm saying we. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord, which it wasn't really a festival because look what happens in verse 6. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry, which meant they had a lot of sex. That, that, that's what's like, this is Hebrews gone wild. That, that's what's happening right here. Got completely out of hand. The camera crew's out there. It is just absolutely going nuts. In, in fact, it got so crazy and so out of hand that 3,000 people lost their lives. And it all started with, hey, Aaron, make us an idol. It didn't start off that bad, but the first step away from God is always a small one. And sin always has more consequences than we could ever, ever, ever imagine. Sin always has more consequences than we could ever possibly imagine. Now, I think you'll agree with me. If Christianity was based on a point system, like if you could earn status for the good things you did and lost status for the bad things you did, can we all agree, before this story, Aaron was like top of the top. Like, like he, he was up there. But after the story, th- does he get a downgrade if we're going in status system, yes or no? Y- yeah. In, in airplane terms, does he get downgraded to coach or does he get completely kicked off the plane? You get kicked off the plane. You get kicked off the plane for leading a nation into idolatry. Think about it. This isn't, oh, I slipped and I said a word to sign of the Bible. This is, he led a nation into idolatry. But then, then this, this, is, this is happening, and this, this blows my mind. As Aaron is sinning, as he's leading a nation into idolatry, there's something happening behind the scenes. See, we read the Bible, and we think that Exodus 20 happens, then Exodus 21 happens, and Exodus 23 happens, and Exodus 27 happens, and Exodus 32 happens, and Exodus 40 happens, and it just kind of goes like that. It, it, it's not like that. Like, some things are happening at the same time that other things are going on. Does that, that make sense to everybody? And so, while this is happening, God and Moses had been having a conversation about Aaron. And we get to see it. You got to go all the way back to Exodus 28. This in Exodus 28 is happening at the same time as Exodus 32. And in Exodus 28, God says, call for your brothers Aaron and his sons. Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel so they may minister to me and be my priests. Make sacred garments for Aaron that are glorious and beautiful. Hold up, hold up, hold up. God, do you see what he's doing? God, do you know what he's doing right now? God, he took earrings and melted them down and made a calf and built an altar. And the people have lost their dang minds and people are dying. God, have you seen? Yeah, yeah, I've seen, but he's still my guy. He goes on to say this, verse 4. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons to wear when they serve me as priests. So give them fine linen cloth, gold thread, blue, purple, starlet thread. Well, while Aaron, don't miss this. While Aaron is messing up. God is telling Moses how to clean him up. While you and I were messing up, 
God had already made arrangements to clean us up, to make us brand new, which is why instead of misinformation, we need to buy in and focus on the true information of Jesus Christ, the man who called himself the way, the truth, and the life. So three quick points about the true information of Jesus Christ. Three ways we can tip this golden calf in our lives. Number one, in Christ, there's no disappointment from God towards you. In Christ, there's no disappointment from God towards you. Like, like God is not disappointed in you. That's the easiest way to say this. God is not disappointed in you. We've all faced disappointment, right? All of us. But, but God is not disappointed in you. Have you ever felt like God is disappointed in you? If you're like me, like you're gonna you're gonna answer that by saying things like, "Yeah, all the time, every single day," and we think that because we've been taught by churches. I heard a pastor say one time, "You have to realize you're nothing more than a walking disappointment to God." I was so angry when I heard that statement. You know why? Because it's a flipping lie. The only way you could disappoint God is if you could surprise God. If you could surprise God, he is not all-knowing. And if he's not all-knowing, he's not all-powerful. And if he's not all-powerful, he's not God at all. But he is God, and he rules, and he reigns supreme, and there's not anyone higher in the entire universe. He knows everything, and he's not disappointed. This past week... um, I was going through YouTube. I was look, looking for some other stuff, and um, the the video popped up on my on my screen of the Colts and the Bears in the Super Bowl. I thought I'm gonna watch this for a little while. Now, listen, I don't want to hear it. Like I know they're probably not gonna be back there for a while. I get it. Like whatever. But but I was like I'm gonna watch this for a little while, and I, I started it. And the opening kickoff, Devin Hester ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. And you know what I wasn't doing when I saw that? Oh my gosh, you guys are so bad. We're going to lose this game. Colts, you suck. You're awful. I, I wasn't disappointed. You know why? Because I knew the outcome of the game. Colts beat their butts. Bears fans, you lost. And so I just, just throwing that out there. I, I knew. It's the same thing with God. God knew every stupid foolish, self-centered thing that we were ever going to do before he made us. And he made us anyway. And so listen, God knows. God knows. God knows what's going on in your life. God knows about the addiction. God knows about the depression. God knows about the anxiety. God knows about the abortion. God's not disappointed in you. I don't, I don't care what you've been told by other people. God is not disappointed in you. I don't care what's going on in your head right now. God is not disappointed in you. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what's been done to you or when it happened. God's not disappointed in you. He's not. Which leads to point number two. God's love is limitless. Or for this illustration, let's say this. God's Love is outside of the lines. Go back to this, go back to this chart. Once again, this is what we believe. God loves me here. God likes me here. And God hates me here. Which puts God's love in a pretty small box. Would you agree? Yes or no? Yeah. But see, actually, God's love isn't just here. God's love isn't here. God's love 
isn't here. God's love is actually here. God's love is outside of the lines. God loves us when we're here, and God loves us when we're here, and God loves us when we're here, because God loves us when we're here. That's how God loves us. God's love is all around us. God loves us regardless because his love is outside of the lines. His love is outside of our morality or our immorality. Listen to me. If God didn't love bad people, God wouldn't love any people. Amen? For example, the Apostle Paul. Talk about a bad dude, man. We focus on the good parts of the Apostle Paul's life. I love the Apostle Paul. Like, he might, like, in the Bible, he, he's, he's my guy, man. He's the one I study the most. Like, he, he, but, but you know what he did before he became a Christian? Anybody know? What did he do? Killed Christians. That's what he did. He killed Christians, killed women and children. In today's world, we would call him a what? A terrorist. Anybody know who this dude is? I don't know how to say his name. Habatala Akamanduda Pocahontas. I don't, I don't know. You know who that idiot is? He's the current leader of the Taliban. Murders women and children. What would happen if he showed up in church today and said, Hey, I just want to let y'all know I received Jesus into my life. None of us would go, that's awesome. You know what we would do? Hey, man, we're full. We're full. We, 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 we ain't got no room, man. Go out in the parking lot. Stand on the other side. What, what, what do you do? Call 911. Hurry up. Let, let them know. that Because that would be crazy, right? That's the Apostle Paul. That's the Apostle Paul. Paul couldn't get hired on most church staffs in America today because of his record. As a matter of fact, none of the Bible heroes, that were people we call heroes, could get hired on church staffs. Moses? That guy murdered somebody. Noah, that guy got drunk, passed out naked. There's no way I'm allowed to do that, right? <laughs> Peter cussed out a little girl, denied Jesus. None of them are getting hired. And so the Apostle Paul, murderer of Christians. Do, do you think, listen, do you think he ever dealt with guilt? Do, do you think that there were nights when he was in prison or when he was on a ship going from one place or the other that the en enemy attacked him with images of the women and children being killed because of him? You ever think he dealt with that? You ever think he wrestled with whether or not God loved him or bumped him off the plane, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. And it was the Apostle Paul who wrote these words, Galatians 1, chapter 15. But even before I was born, God, what's that word say? Chose me. Chose me. Chose me chose me even before you were born. God chose you and called me by his marvelous grace. Called me by his marvelous grace. Not because of anything I've done, but because of everything that he did. See, when you're born, God loved you right here, right? But God doesn't just love you right here. God loves you all the way back here. Before you were born, he chose you. And he called me by his marvelous, before I was even born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And watch this. Then it pleased him to reveal 
his son to me. We don't find Jesus. Jesus finds us. It's right there. It's right there. Jesus ain't hiding underneath your couch. You didn't find him. Revealed his son. Pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I could proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Which leads to the last point. God's mercy is received, not achieved. It's not something we work for. If I didn't work for it, I can't lose it. God's mercy for my life, for your life, is something we receive. It's not when we read the Bible all the way through. It's not when we've memorized the Lord's Prayer. It's not when we get a necklace with a little cross on it. All right? No, 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 no. If you're in Christ today, God's mercy covers you. Listen, I know for a fact If it wasn't for God's mercy, I couldn't have gotten out of bed this morning. If it wasn't for God's mercy, I wouldn't even crack open my Bible. I tell you all the time, all the time, that's the way I connect with God. If it wasn't for God's mercy, I wouldn't do it. If it wasn't for God's mercy, I wouldn't even have a ministry. I know it's the mercy of God in my life. And I want you to know It's the mercy of God for you as well. I don't care who you are or what you've done. God not only loves you, but listen, one day you are going to stand in front of him. You ever heard that? You ever heard that in a negative way? I've heard old school preachers to this day. They try to scare the hell out of you with that. One of these days, you're going to stand before God and he's going to play a video of your life on a video screen and everybody's going to watch. You ever heard that? I'm always like, okay, just send me to hell. (laughs) I don't want nobody to see what I, like, that's how I feel. But there is truth in the fact that one day you will stand before God. And if you've received, everybody say the word received, received. I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but there are some things we say, there there are some things we say that are jacked up and, and we, and we mean well. And we think they mean the same things, but, but they don't. We receive God into, we don't accept him, right? That, that, that word, that word's not the word that we need to be saying, right? We, he accepts us as we are, right? We receive the gift that he's given us. That, that's a really long message for another time, but I've got to say that because, because sometimes we say things in the church that, that again, we mean well, but, but, they're, but they're wrong. We receive him into our lives, And if you've received his mercy, let me tell you how he's going to see you. Well, actually, let me show you how he's going to see you. And this is according to Jude. Jude is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. If anybody had status, it's got to be Jude, right? I mean, you get status just being the half-brother of Jesus. Got to get you up there. And Jude said this in verse 24. There's only one chapter, but he says this. Now, all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Without a single fault. Single fault. So when God sees you, when you've received Jesus' mercy, he doesn't see a video of your life. He sees you without a single fault. Not because of how great we are, but because of how great he is. So what are you going to believe when you walk out of here today? Are you going to believe the misinformation that the better you are, the more he loves you, and so you're going to keep trying to work? You're going to keep trying to do more and try harder? 
Are you going to continue to believe that you can lose what you've received from him and, and you got to continually work your way back into that? Or are you going to tip some cows? <laughs> and are you going to believe that he's not disappointed in us? His love is limitless and he chose you and he died for you. And what we receive from him, the gift of eternal life, can never ever be taken away.